0: Hi, friends, and welcome to the By Faith Podcast. My name is Christine Hoover, and I'm so glad you're here. This season on By Faith, we're talking about the ins and outs of vocational ministry. I hope since last week you've had an opportunity to pick up my new book, How to Thrive as a Pastor's Wife, and begin reading. I would love to hear from you. What is resonating with you? What is helping you? If you haven't yet gotten the book and maybe you aren't such a big reader, I want you to know that the book is also available as an audiobook. I had the wonderful privilege of being able to narrate my own book, and the whole time I recorded, I thought about sitting across the table from a fellow pastor's wife and listening and chatting together about all things ministry. So I hope if you love listening to books, you'll grab a copy at the link in my show notes. Today's episode of By Faith is going to be a bit different than usual. It's actually an episode of a different podcast called The Glass House. The Glass House is a podcast hosted by Ben and Lindley Mandrell, who were my guests a few episodes back. Ben is the president of Lifeway, but before that, he was a pastor at a church in Colorado. He and Lindley are prioritizing investing into pastors through this new role at Lifeway. And to that end, they've created The Glass House. It is a phenomenal podcast that I love listening to each week because it's raw, it's helpful, and it makes me feel less crazy at times. Anyway, the Mandrells had my husband Kyle and I on The Glass House last year. I wanted to share both The Glass House podcast and this conversation with you. So here, friends, is that conversation I felt like I was a victim of my circumstances, that I had no, you know, control or way of affecting things, especially related to ministry. And it went back to, am I voicing what I need to my husband and to my friends and the people around me? And I wasn't. And a lot of that was related to my emotion. I didn't want to share things that I thought were negative, that I was, that I was weary or that I had been hurt. I just wanted to move past that and keep going.
1: Hey guys, you're listening to The Glass House hosted by LifeWay. We are Ben and Lindley Mandrell, and we have conversations with leaders who have experienced the stress of ministry and have sensed a spotlight on their personal lives. We want to encourage ministry families and provide a glimpse inside their glass house. Hey guys, welcome to The Glass House. We've been talking about emotions and ministry, and today is the crescendo. We're going to talk about gladness, uh, which is the emotion we all want to feel. Kyle and Christine Hoover are thoughtful, engaging, frontline church leaders. Kyle pastors a church in Charlottesville, Virginia, Charlottesville Community Church. And he and Christine just have so much to say. Recently, we saw a post on social media that Christine put out there sharing what they've learned about emotions and ministry, and it so resonated with the tenor of the glass house, we thought we've got to have them on the show. So stay tuned. You're going to love this discussion. Well, Kyle and Christine, it's so great to have you on the show, and one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show is that you put out a post on social media not long ago that just kind of rocked our world. We read it. We were like, they are living in our house. And you were talking about why it's so difficult at the end of the day to process feelings and emotions versus just rattling off on events of the day. So talk a little bit about what motivated you to post that and, and what, what was going on in your life.
0: Well, a lot of things have been going on in our life and our marriage. I think over the past year, you know, for everybody, COVID has brought a lot to the surface. And for us as a pastor and a pastor's wife, mom and a dad, husband and wife, we were realizing that we did not take care of our emotional health, that we weren't connecting with one another on an emotional level as well as we thought we were and how we were handling our emotions instead. And I use, I would say they were negative emotions, but I don't think any emotion we have is a negative emotion. I think God has given us emotions to help us to know what's going on inside of us. But Hmm. we were dealing with those things pretty much individually we would go kind of go off in our corner and figure things out. And we were really feeling disconnected as a couple, um, Mm. coming to some hard realizations that we had drifted in our relationship. And because of the COVID season being so stressful, we were feeling that stress and pressure, not only with church leadership, but in our marriage. And so we really began, we sought counseling and our counselor kind of helped us to see that it was the emotional health that was missing in our relationship. And just as we've continued growing in this, I've, I personally have become very, and I think he has to become very passionate about talking about these things, which I'm glad you guys are on the podcast. Um, but also, especially for leaders, you know, how past pastoral leaders, I think we don't always know how to deal with our emotions and we don't always even have time to deal with our emotions we're handling the the hard stuff for other people and so it's hard sometimes to know even stop to think about how we're feeling but also where do we go when we have these difficult things you know for us going through the past year it was like where do we turn when we're the ones in crisis and we're leading other people in crisis right. so i think right. i think that's a common thing for leaders it's just they don't even have the space or capacity to deal with their own difficult things.
1: One of the things Christine said that I think resonates with us, we want to talk about is when you're always dealing with other people's hurts, other people's families' problems and their own physical problems and spiritual problems, you rarely take time to assess your own problems. And we all are human beings dealing with our own stuff. And if we do anything with this podcast, we hope it gives you a place every week to just stop and process some of the own, your own junk. And when you don't take time to do that, you just kind of live with all that pressure in your life, which means you can't really take care of people well when you're doing that.
2: Yeah, but I think the beauty of pastoral ministry, if you want to stay unhealthy, like, I mean, I don't say that snarky, but you can stay so busy with everybody else's problems and kind of just minimize yours. And like, um, and you can go on like that for a really long time of just saying, I mean, you can tend to continue to say, well, I don't have it as bad as so-and-so. And they, I, you know, I haven't had this terrible experience like them, so my problems really aren't that bad. And you can just continue to minimize yours until you get to a place of, like, you know, where we were, honestly, of just, okay, are we going to be able to do this? Because, you know, what was from the outside looked really good. It just looked like everything was fine. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, we were just basically done. Didn't know what to do.
1: You know, I think one of the... Issues you and I have talked about years, for years and years and years, is the what I call. Once we get past this syndrome, <laughs> and I've said this to you so many times, hey, once I just get past this meeting, yeah. this event, this speaking deal, this problem with the staff person, once I get this behind me,
2: that's when I say the very next one will be there, and you're like, no, 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 it'll right. be good. You know what it will be good.
1: It reminds me when you're at the beach with the kids and you have this sand hole, like you've built this hole and there's water in it. And you pull the water out and you look down and it's all, it's full again. Mm -hmm. Like that's how ministry works. It's, and the more you bail the water, you look down and it's right back in there. And you you fix one issue or you resolve one issue or you bring peace to one issue and then something else is broken or chaotic and needing attention. And what's lost in all that, Mm -hmm. if you're not careful, is you're depleting energy. Mm -hmm. Everything you give yourself to requires energy. And then you find out one day that, I don't have any energy left. I don't have any love left for people. I don't have any care left for people. And I've kind of lost myself in the midst of this.
2: Mm -hmm. But I think that's the point of this podcast is for people to kind of break that mold of, you know, don't listen to your heart. um, You know, don't trust your emotions in that if you can trust them some, like you can find the gladness. I mean, people are in ministry because they want to serve other people. That That is why you get into ministry. I mean, and so everyone starts out really you know guns a blazing ready to go because that that's what they want to do it's, and so you can find gladness in it if you can also learn to balance your emotions personally
1: gladness often comes by giving proper attention to the things that hurt I you know it's that old cliche beware of the barrenness of a busy life mm-hmm. when you allow your life to be consistently busy it becomes barren at some point, you have to stop, slow down, reassess, renegotiate, and think, what, what am I going to do different this next season? Kyle, talk about your personality. Do you internalize things? Is it natural for you to share your feelings?
3: No, not at all. I've, And that's what's been so great, really, about the last eight or nine months for us. There's been tons of growth. But for me, I think there are several... Components that created the perfect storm. One is kind of this pastoral mindset of you—you you have to be driven by truth, not by your feelings. And so, I think a lot of times, what what that means is you—you can't trust your feelings. You, but I think that that that's we we take that idea and we run with it, where our feelings are a part of what God has made us to be. Exactly. And so, I think that. Coming to a better understanding—that's been really helpful for me. But also in ministry, you deal with so many emotions and so many heavy things that you can you can almost become numb to your own, and you almost have to turn off parts of who you are to to cope at times. And, and so that's yep. a it works short term for you, but not long term in a marriage.
1: Lindley and I have had this conversation recently because as we begin to speak out about this. Mm-hmm there really is a, a Christian answer to feelings, and that is you shouldn't trust them, put them away, and read your Bible more. And I agree with you, Kyle. I think we need a more balanced approach. Yes. <laughs> because I know a lot of people that have all the Bible knowledge right in their head, but they're they're angry, they're irritated, they're on edge. I know that's been me some days. Right. And so how do, we, how do we talk about this in a way? Go ahead, Lenny.
2: Well, I just think it was interesting because you said you were speaking of the negative emotions. And when we began our counseling journey, he has eight emotions on a sheet and he has you know the god-given side of him and then the impaired version of them and you know what's funny is that when we begin seven of them are what the what the world says is negative like shame and guilt and loneliness and sadness and all those and then we had gladness on there and even our first question we're like why are seven of them bad i mean why why are they all bad because that's just what we've been trained to believe and he said but these aren't bad i mean these are really these are god-given emotions that if you can learn to you know honor the loss of sadness then you're in a really healthy place. So I think that was interesting when you had said that. Yeah, that's right.
1: And and I think we all bring our marriage to our work. Pastors bring their marriage to their ministry and how things are happening at home emotionally, they affect everything in ministry. And so I just hope there's some pastors and church leaders listening to this because I, I think it's important for us to stop and realize that we have to be healthy in order to be the servants God has called us mm-hmm. called us to be. Mm-hmm. Um so could either one of you kind of wind back the clock and recount some pivotal moments in ministry that demonstrated that you needed to pursue emotional health? Can you, can you tell us a story? Give us, give us a peek.
0: I would say for me, there's two huge times in our marriage and ministry. One was church planting in the beginning years. We planted a church 13 years ago. And we just went all out. I mean, hand, all hands on deck. I'm. Fully, it's the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah, true. And I, I was fully on board. Fully knew God's call. But I would say about year five, I realized I was angry. I was so angry at my husband, at God, at the people we were serving. And part of that was because we had developed this dynamic of tamping down our own needs, my hmm. own needs. I had learned to not voice them because I saw what my husband was carrying. And I didn't want to add to that burden. And I realized how unfair that had been to him even. Uh, So that was a big one. But and just, we referred to the past year, I think I I recognized in myself some bitterness. And I didn't, uh, once I began to look at that, God was like, you need to look at this. You need to deal with this. I saw it was very deep, Mm -hmm. very ingrained in my life. And a lot of that was because again, I felt like I was a victim of my circumstances, that I had no, you know, control or way of affecting things, and especially related to ministry. And it went back to am I voicing what I need to my husband and to the, my friends and the people around me? And I wasn't. And a lot of that was related to my emotion. I didn't want to share things that I thought were negative, that I was that I was weary or that I mm. had been hurt. I just wanted to move past that and keep going. And so the, I would say those are, two, those are two times where God took that and showed me I needed to make a change. We needed to
1: make a change. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we should stop and talk about this. Uh, we've planted a church, so we know right where you are. Mm-hmm. I think anyone listening who's either planted a church or revitalized a church, the, in- the amount of emotional inertia— required to either get something started or turn something around, it can just suck all the fun out of your life.
2: Yes. Well, when we began, somebody told us, everyone in church planning has to be a a generalist. There are no specialists. Like, you just have to do whatever You you can do to get it done, and I think we just took that and ran with it, and probably to, I mean, for sure to an unhealthy degree of, well, it all relies on us, so we have to just... Worked so hard to get it done.
1: One of the big bitter stories of our marriage is that we moved to Colorado, one of the most beautiful states on the planet, and for five years, Lindley had to absolutely beg me to go on a hike because I just had too much to do. Like, I, did, I was not interested in enjoying the beauty of the of the landscape, man. I had work to do, and I regret that.
3: And that was my story. I was given some counsel that church planning you're going to have to go full bore for two years, and then things will lighten up once it kind of gets established, but... <laughs> That was that so no. unhealthy because it turned <laughs> me off emotionally and I was underdeveloped to begin with. And so it was like, okay, well, I've got to do this for, and I spiritualized it, that this was all for Jesus and, and I dishonored him in the way that I did that. But also we never, there was no magic moment where you're like, okay, and that's now we're done. But it was always like, well, at this next threshold that we reach and then that next one, And so you just keep going for forever
0: Mm. You and lose just, a, you lose a sense of what normal is. You lose a sense of what being a whole person is. That involves recreation, as you just talked about, Ben, or um, you know, emotions, as we're discussing now, marriage, fun, family. You you become a one track mind,
1: one dimensional. Yep. We talk a lot about church planning because we're fresh off that experience, but right. we also pastored in a, an established church for seven years prior to that, and. It's not like one is harder than the other. They're both hard. Right. Ministry is hard no matter where you serve. Whether it's an established church or church planning. it's just ch- trading one set of problems for another. And emotional challenges are real whether you're in a church that's, you know, been around for 75 years or one that's been around for 17 days.
2: Well, right. I mean, the the reason people go church plant is because they want to start something with the DNA that they prefer. Right. But the hard part about coming into established churches is that there's already a set DNA and there's already a set expectations of what we have always done and what we should continue to do. And so, you know, absolutely come in and you have to love the people and really kind of get established. But then at a point, things can't stay the same or that's why they die. I mean, you know, like the world is changing. And so... You know that that is not an easy task either, and so we never want to downplay the the hard hard role that is.
1: Some of you out there, and you're serving in churches that are slow to change, slow to adapt, and there's a reason why the New Testament calls patience long suffering, because it takes time and patience, and you have to suffer long to see a church revitalize. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to encourage you out there if you're in ministry, whether you're you're dealing with a launch team challenge because you're church planning, or whether you're dealing with a tradition that you're trying to overcome because it's not in the Bible and it's not helping the church. Either one is is a challenge you have to face emotionally. Mm-hmm. You guys have learned the skill, I mean, I, I'm sure you're still learning it, but of emotionally checking in with one another. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit about that for people who are listening who maybe struggle with that like we do?
3: So this is painful. This feels painful even to Talk about how elementary, what we do on a daily basis, what that looks like. But but on the way home, I'll I'll stop at this elementary school that's right by our house. And I literally will pull out of on my phone an emotion wheel or a list of kind of like emotional words. And I'll and I'll think of what are those top two things of of how of I'll kind of mark through my day and kind of consider it and be like all right well these are the two words i'm going to share with her and so i'll go home and and more so than just what we used to do which is mark through with the events of the day i'll i'll share my two words wow and then and then she'll be like the immediate question is why did you feel that and then we'll talk through and it's just led to tons more relational and emotional intimacy, because we work with, we start with how we felt and what happened.
1: Mm -hmm. And so... That's awesome. Kyle, can you give us a word you gave her recently? Like, what's something you felt recently that you shared that's not too... I told her,
3: I told her that as this week has progressed, my emotional words have been gotten increasingly, as we like to put, negative. And so yesterday was frustrated and sad. You know, and so over the course of yesterday, you know, there was just found out some folks leaving our church because of different reasons that Mm. made me sad, but also misunderstandings and mischaracterizations of, of who I am and who I, what I said in different meetings that left me frustrated. And so those were my two words for the day.
2: When we were listening with Christine and Kyle, you know, we were talking about emotions and just kind of referring to how they have such a there's such a connotation that all emotions are negative emotions, and even the words we use even throughout the season of this podcast is you know loneliness shame um anger hurt fear all those things well, you know our world has taught us that those things are all really bad, and I think just one thing that would be interesting to do is unpack that a little bit because the healthy side of shame is realizing that you're human and that you have limitations and so you know, we, we feel ashamed because we should have done something or we should have done something else. But in, in reality, if we could do everything, then we wouldn't need anyone else. Um, so, you know, that, that is the healthy part of that.
1: I feel like emotions are the breadcrumbs that we follow to get that thing that we, that God wants us to have. So, you know, you think about anger, you know, when I feel angry, it's because I care about something. And so I got to dig down deep and think, okay, what do I really care about? What's what's going on in me that is bothering me because it's something that I'm passionate about? Or when I feel lonely, God wants me to be in community with people, and he wants me to be authentic and be sharing with people. How how am I not doing that? And how do I work toward a deeper sense of community with people? I think it's important to recognize that one of the most famous writers of the last— hundred years c.s lewis writes an autobiography entitled surprised by joy and says that it was actually the emotion of joy that caused him to come to christ and not the cognitive cerebral part of the faith but experiencing joy caused him to realize that there is a joy giver and when we think about our emotions god gave us these emotions because he wants us to experience him in those emotions so if you're out there today and you're listening and uh, there's an emotion that's heavy on your heart, whether it's shame or fear or uh, hurt, uh, it's a calling card of the Holy Spirit. I think God's calling you closer to him by processing that emotion. And as you process it, what naturally erupts from that volcano is a sense of joy and gladness that comes in knowing God more authentically.
3: So I think short term, you know, sharing those words, talking with her through that, she, she took on some of those in the short term. Like she felt what I felt. And we, as we processed it, really, it, it led towards greater intimacy with one another. And I think it really kind of produced some gladness that we were in things together. It was really helpful
1: for us. I think I'm learning too how to just receive a person's emotions and join them in it rather than try to talk them out of it. That's Um, especially
0: hard to do with our kids because we do not want our kids to hurt. We do not want them to feel something difficult. And so I especially feel that wanting to rescue them from that. Mm -hmm. I did that once when one of my my, uh, boys was talking about friendship and how he had been hurt by a friend. And I just wanted to Tell him all the reasons why he shouldn't feel that way. And finally I just felt like the Lord was like, just listen to him and mm-hmm. and join him in his tears. And and it was a life-changing conversation, probably more for me.
3: And Ben, I can be like you. I can I can go to the right answer and sermonize really quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. You know where I can give a biblical response for this. And I can even do it in my head rather than just yeah. sharing what I feel. And what it does. Because you're
1: trained. Yes, that way. you're trained to give three points in a poem, baby.
3: Exactly. So I can and... do that in a hurry. <laughs> and but what it does is it absolutely short circuits the connection and the opportunity to explore that component of who she is or who our kids are. Yeah. So i just had to be like pull back from that and just process and listen and care and empathize.
1: Kyle's authenticity in this episode was refreshing to me. He admits that often he sermonizes or provides a quick biblical answer to pain without really processing it. And I've learned in ministry that that's so easy to do is to just grab a verse and, you know, try to spiritualize something that's really a deep pain that needs to be processed. There's always a quick and easy biblical answer that is legitimate and should be memorized and should be thought of, but at the same time doesn't do all the work of really getting at the root of what's going on in your heart. Mm-hmm. I know you being a person that just is drawn to authenticity. Some of our, I think, most distant seasons in marriage were when I was doing a lot of that.
2: Probably, for sure. Um,
1: For sure. And you can see right through it that I'm I'm using this pat answer to get out of talking about a subject that I'm uncomfortable talking about.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, we've had this conversation a lot. Like, I mean, after 20 years of marriage, I know you well enough to say you're – you're answering my question, but also avoiding my question in the same way. I mean, you're, you're answering it in the right thing, but you're avoiding the heart of the question, and you're avoiding your feelings, and you're avoiding pain, really. I mean, that's, that's what you want to do is just avoid the pain. And so, you know, how do, we, how do I give a good biblical solid answer without, without really giving any of myself?
1: And in the segment, Kyle does an incredible job of explaining how he's learned to grow through that over the years. Hey, let's talk about friendship for a moment in ministry because we're talking about the impact of community. Like, how has your community helped your emotional health? What does friendship look like for the two of you? Like, not just together, but having friends. Mm. Do you want to go? go ahead.
0: Friendship has been vital for us in our health as human beings. And through the past year, especially, it was really hard for me to tell some of the people that we told that we were struggling. But they have been a key for us in moving forward and growing together. One of the reasons we told, we, we have an elder team at our church, and he talked to uh, a few of the elders specifically and just said, I need you to follow up with me. Here's, here's specific questions I need you to ask me. And these are also men that he would consider good friends. And so to kind of go to them and say, we need your care. We need your counsel. We need your accountability. We need you to like him specifically saying, I want to grow in these areas of emotional connection and having them ask questions. But also for me, the same thing to be able to say, here's what's going on. And I need you to, I need your feedback. I need your help because we're realizing we have not seen clearly and we need somebody outside of us to be able to say, okay, maybe have you thought about this? There was, we had made a decision that we were going to not talk about church at all in our marriage. (laughs) Like we need, we need the division. So, and one of our, one of the elders and his wife said, well, I don't think that's such a great idea because that's a major part of your life and you can connect over that emotionally. And we're like, Oh yeah. Like, that would be silly uh, to create more individualism rather than togetherness. Yeah. And so hmm. community has been really vital for us.
3: And I've just known, I have very good friends, but we didn't connect on an emotional level. And then when I was like, hey, here, I'm struggling. Like, We are struggling. I'm struggling. I'm not going to make it in this current trajectory. And so yep. we just committed to sharing what's really going on with each other and it it there's been a level of depth and intimacy even amongst friendships and I've seen me be able to minister and reach out to them and they've been there for me that's been really profound
1: in life that's really great man and I think guys particularly struggle with emotionally connecting with one another I mean we just are great at sports talk and yes it's hard to say hey I've really been fighting with my wife a lot
3: I think I think oftentimes men haven't been taught how to relate emotionally very well and culturally Hmm. they've they've been made to question whether they should relate emotionally and then i think pastors especially there's a fear of vulnerability and and there's a sense of like i've got to be a certain way and i think pastors also can be really good at asking questions that keep themselves anonymous that's right so we can We can ask questions and have a conversation with anyone. And sometimes we'll do it to avoid difficult topics and conversations as well.
1: Can I tell a story on this? Um, Lindley threw this amazing 40th birthday party for me. And it was a surprise party. She had all these people who love me lined up at the house. And as we were driving over to the house where the party was, I figured out that she had planned this. And I had this like... Major actually, emotional breakdown.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, he had all day long, like, what's happening? What's happening? You know, just really upset. Like, like concerned. I had anxiety around it. Yeah. And so finally, you know, beforehand, I was like, fine. It's a surprise party. Surprise. I mean, you know, I was just kind of <laughs> like. You just ruined the whole you thing. You ruined it. I mean, I'm all, I just, I'll tell them all not to hide You just be there, whatever.
1: So we walk and, into the house. We're, we're like, not cool. I'm mad at her. She's mad at me. All these people are celebrating me, and I realized something, Kyle, as a pastor, like, I have no idea how to let it be about me. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels really foreign for me to accept love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even in conversation, I've had loved ones tell me, hey, you're really great at drawing people out. You share nothing. So, hey, is that you? I mean, you're. do you struggle with that, too? Oh,
3: absolutely. I can, I can have a two-hour conversation with someone, and they don't know a thing about me. Mm-hmm. It's amazing,
0: <laughs> and I'm literally, <Well>, <laughs> I do the same. I can be the same way.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: So I think together as a couple,
2: I think that's a that's a um,
1: you're a bad match in that way. Yeah, we are.
2: Well, I think what was interesting for me and what us talking about sharing feelings and us always feeling like we're close with that story, what kind, what was underneath that is that he had never had a birthday party, like. Long story, but he'd never had a birthday party. So he was kind of like, I don't know what to do at a birthday party. And, um, but I didn't know that. I mean, we'd been married at that point 15 years, and I had never known that. And so um, I I just, I was kind of taken aback, like, well, you've never told me that. And, but that's a feeling. And he just didn't want to get vulnerable I with have that. I've
1: reflected on that moment so many times. I think what also was going on is when there's a room full of people, because it's the pastor to me, I want to make sure that everybody gets talked to. Everybody got loved and it put a lot of pressure on me because I had all these people I loved and I wanted to equally love them all and I couldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and so as part of that's the dysfunction of having to control. And so I'm just a whole, <laughs> a whole lot of, I got a lot of mess going on inside of me. Go ahead, that Christine. so you're, you're, me.
0: You're describing me. In fact, I just had a big birthday and he planned something for me. Uh, it was one of those video montage things where all these people mm-hmm. from my life, I still haven't watched it. Because I'm like, I started watching it and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't hear these words. I just feel anxious.
1: It's overwhelming.
0: Yeah. And I'm the same. I struggle to receive things. Hmm. So I can keep people through questions at a distance as well.
1: Rest is such a huge part of being able to minister to people. I think you guys are fresh off a sabbatical. What did you learn about? yourselves in that time?
3: Emotionally or just in general? Both. I think one of the big lessons for me was in the midst of COVID and ministry and talking to a million people about masks and vaccines, I, I had lost track functionally of Jesus and my yeah. love for him. Easy to do. Yeah, and I I told Christine. I I feel like at some point in time, I became the 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 complaint desk manager for God, you know, where people could complain about all the things in their life. And Mm. I and that's not the position that God ever put me in. But I think I lost track of the joy for my Savior in my functional role as a pastor. And then I think also just the time and connection emotionally with my wife. was Those were the two big highlights for, for me. Did
1: you realize that you had become kind of numb toward Christine and, and feelings started to come back as you rested?
3: Oh, by all means, by all means. So we just mm-hmm. were able to have time to care for each other's souls without, without the pastoral responsibility of caring for others also so it was really rejuvenating
0: for
1: us. Hmm. We might be the worst resters on the planet. Ooh. It's hard to rest when you're in ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. We're, I feel like mm-hmm. he's actually pretty good at it. And he's helped oh, me. Yeah, we have a day every week that we protect. It's actually tomorrow, Fridays. Um, so we look forward to that day. It was really uncomfortable to to put that into place after not doing mm-hmm. it. But now we've kind of gotten into that rhythm over, it's been many years now that we do that. And it is, just the other day, he said somebody wanted to have an important meeting on Friday. He said, no, I can't. That's my day off. That's my Sabbath. So he's helped me with that. He's good at that.
1: So we have two questions we like to end the podcast with. The first one is about the challenges. What has been the hardest part about being in the glass house for you guys?
0: I'll go first. I think the hardest for me has been... Sometimes feeling invisible. I think sometimes people, I I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but sometimes I perceive that they don't see me as an individual apart from my Mm. husband, that I am only a pastor's wife. I fill a role, but I'm not a person with needs and preferences and desires and emotions. And also my own work. That's something that people often don't ask me about because they just associate, associate me with his work and what he, he does. And so that can be hard. And at times i felt invisible to my own husband that he, his work is so important. And, and I do think it's important and significant. But sometimes, as he was saying earlier, it, everything can be spiritualized. And I have felt sometimes that our marriage was sacrificed for the ministry. And I think a lot of pastors might feel that it at certain times. So I would say that's been the hardest
2: for me.
1: Well, let me stop there. Uh, Lindley has got to comment Well, on
2: we, that. we did a phone call um, a couple of months ago with a family, and this lady, of uh, the couple, I'm sorry, and this lady is older. Her husband is just retiring from ministry, and she said, the hardest thing for all the years is that I felt like the invisible woman. And she just said exactly what you've said. And in We've talked to several different couples along the way on our journey, and it's almost like every pastor's wife has this struggle of there's supposed to, there's supposedly a role, but nobody really knows what that role is, and so it's kind of an unspoken and and it just looks different in every single church, and it turns out to just make everything everyone feel hard. it's hard like you don't know what you're what you're supposed to be doing, and you do turn out feeling invisible.
1: It's yes. an impossible place for a pastor's wife because if you're passive and weak. People don't respect you because you're just there. But if you're a strong, you know, assertive woman, they, they say all kinds of mean things about you. Uh, I think it's really difficult to manage the tension between the perceptions of what people think you should be. And I've and, watched that. And
3: Christine, she, she's active and really tries to use her gifts in the church and and then it's hard because people have expectations of her regularly, but she may not even know what those are. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so so she's like, okay, well, are they looking for me to be their friend? Do I owe friendship to every woman in the church? Like, Is that a, is that a part of the situation? But yet she wants to be welcoming and warm and she wants to lead and serve in the ways that are appropriate and right. But then it just comes with all kinds of different things where her role is much more ambiguous than mine. And so to yeah. navigate that is very challenging.
1: That's really good. What about you, Kyle? Hardest part?
3: I think that I think sometimes it is hard for the, the pastor becomes the face of the institution of the church. And so sometimes you feel like you are not seen as a person, and so sometimes people will say really hurtful things about the church and and they don't know that they 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 don't connect that that's can be really hard for you personally.
1: That's actually you so making I mean, that decision.
3: Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, I I right. was a part of that. <laughs> so you know, I think those are difficult that are that you when whenever you suffer, you you a lot of times people don't understand how much of your heart and soul you have put into this, that it's not just this, you know, impersonal institution, but, mm-hmm. but you love the Lord. And one of your expressions of love for the Lord is through the organization of that local church. And mm-hmm. so your heart's behind it. And sometimes people can, you know, people's leaving and how they leave people are always going to be leaving and joining different churches, but even how they do that can be hurtful. Mm-hmm. But you just, you, you suffer quietly some things in ways that people will never really understand. And that's yeah. that's just a part of it.
1: It is.
2: It is. That's, part, that's the glass house. Yeah, true. Really- um, one thing that we wanted to ask one of the last questions is that, you know, it is very difficult, but it's also really rewarding. So, I mean, what has been the most rewarding part of being in ministry, living in the glass house for you guys?
0: I really like that we get to do this together. You know, we often say if he was a copier salesman, I wouldn't go with him to do what he does. I wouldn't know his coworkers. workers I wouldn't know his clients. Mm-hmm. And I get to be a part of it with him. And not only us, but our kids, they get to see, they've seen a church start from the ground up. They've had missionaries at the dining room table with us, and they've had people in our church, you know, at the dining room table. So they've gotten to see what God has done in the lives of the people that we serve. So what a joy that we get to do that as a family and what a joy we get to do that as a couple.
3: Yeah, I, I equate it. It's, it's a front row seat to see what God's doing. I get to look out in a congregation of people and see God's work in, in different stories in people's lives. And so when I look out and see people, I see incredible overcoming, incredible faith, incredible struggle and it's a joy. It's a joy to to, pour your life out for the sake of the gospel. And I I just yeah, they you get called upon in people's deepest pain and greatest joys and you get to speak to them the good news of Christ. And it's really Yeah. It's it's an honor and a privilege.
2: The Glass House is a production of Lifeway Christian Resources. It's hosted by Ben and Lindley Mandrell, executive produced by Joy Allman, produced and edited by Angie Elkins, original music by Robert Elkins, and graphic design by Cameron Spooner.
1: Thanks for listening to The Glass House, where we hope to shed light on the dark places of ministry, one conversation at a time.
0: Friends, thanks so much for listening to By Faith and The Glass House. I hope you'll head over to The Glass House and hit that subscribe button. Perhaps even go back through and listen to some of the past episodes because they are all so very good. Thank you to Lifeway and to The Mandrels for letting me share this episode with you today. Friends, join me next week as I chat with Natasha Robertson. Natarsha and her husband planted a church in New York City, and she joins me to talk about boundaries why we need them, how to create them, and how to keep them. You are going to love this conversation. Until then, friends, have a great week and keep walking forward by faith.